What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and I'm back with another episode of Endurify. And what I want to do today is do a full race recap on uh, the Ironman Oregon 70.3 that I completed on Sunday with my best friend, Joey. And so uh, this is actually the second time I'm recording this. Uh, I went through, I, I set up everything, and I recorded it. I published the episode and then I got a message saying that there was an issue with the first like 20 minutes. So I'm trying to re-record the first part. So hopefully this time it works. But uh, I'm about a week out from the race. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know I've been talking about uh, the races that I've done. Uh, but you probably realize that I didn't really talk about uh, this race uh, too much leading up to it. And it was kind of a day before, or two days before I did an episode saying, hey, by the way, I'm training and doing this race. And that's because uh, the main reason why I signed up for this race was to surprise my best friend, uh, Joey, who has been training for this for uh, a couple of years. And uh, I've been coaching him and we've gotten on different calls. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Kind of the context of why I signed up for this race. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the race day logistics, how I was feeling pre-race, uh, and then walk through the swim, the bike, and the run, and then just share some lessons that I've learned uh, in training for this. And so, you know, first, uh, just why did I do it? You know, I already touched on it a little bit, but the number one reason was just to support my friend. And so, um, he is, you know, he's somebody who has been one of my best friends uh, since high school. Uh, we've stayed in touch. I officiated his wedding. Uh, I was the best man in his wedding. And he has been so supportive of all of my dreams with the podcast, with the business, uh, with everything that I've tried to do. Um, and I just wanted to, to be there and support him. And I think one of the main reasons was, you know, when I completed my first half Ironman, um, that was one of the probably one of the most transformational moments and events for me because at the time it was the hardest thing that I had ever done and I trained for it for a really long time and I had my uh, mom was there my dad was there my wife was there my mother-in-law was there and it just meant so much to me to have the support of my family and the people that uh, that that I love so deeply uh, for them to be there for me. And I just remember that feeling. And uh, as I thought about having uh, Joey cross the finish line, I knew that I wanted uh, to be there. And uh, that was kind of the main reason was just to support him and be there for him. Now, the second reason was, you know, it's kind of a crazy idea uh, because three weeks uh, leading up to the race, I was actually in Colorado with my wife uh, and our daughter and uh, some of our family, and we've been working remotely, or we were working remotely from there when I kind of came up with the idea of, hey, maybe I should go and see Joey, or maybe I should go and do the race. But I got super excited about that idea initially, but then as I thought about how expensive it would be, as I thought about uh, the logistics of shipping my bike, and as I thought about like, was I even in good enough shape? Like, what if I didn't do well? Um, as I thought about all of the logistics, I kind of dismissed it initially. So I went, I had an idea, I got super excited, and then after I thought through all of the logistics, I was like, eh, it's a little crazy, I don't know. 
And uh, luckily, I kind of talked to my wife about it. And I said, hey, I've got this crazy idea. Uh, I'm kind of thinking about it, but I'm not sure. And she just said, stay open to it, explore it and and see if it's, you know, see if it's a good idea and kind of keep thinking about it. And so then a couple of days later, I just decided that I was going to do it. And I had all of these reasons not to, but the main reason, you know, why I decided to do it is because I wanted to flex that muscle of coming up with an idea uh, or, you know, dreaming of something and then coming up with and hearing that voice of like, well, you shouldn't do it because of this. You can't do it because of this. You, you shouldn't do it because of that. You can't do it because of that. But choosing to do it anyways, because I know that that same voice that pops in and says, no, you shouldn't do it. No, you shouldn't do it. No, you can't because of X, Y, or Z. That's the same voice that pops up and it gets in your way from achieving any sort of goal that you have. If that's any of your dreams at work, uh, in your, your family, your relationships, whatever it is, that's the same voice. And so I knew if I came up with this crazy idea, thought of all the reasons not to, and I actually went through with it and I did it, that that would be a win and that would be some growth in itself. And then the final reason why I wanted to do it was I just wanted to learn and learn from my previous mistakes in my previous race, which was four weeks ago, was which was Ironman Des Moines 70.3. And I wanted a chance to just rebound from that and apply uh, some of the lessons that I've learned. So those are kind of the three main reasons that I signed up for it. I wanted to support my friend uh, and be there for him. I wanted to kind of flex that muscle of coming up with a crazy idea and going forward with it. And uh, and then I just wanted to learn from my previous uh, mistakes, from my previous races. And um, I'm just so glad that I went through with it after going through this whole experience. But the, the thing that was so unique about this race, more so than anything else that I'd ever done, was all of the logistics and the planning that went into it. Because this was my first time actually flying to a race uh, destination. Most of the time... I've just been able to drive to the location, you know, drive the day before, two days before, pack the car, load up your bike, and you're good. But just all of the logistics of first trying to coordinate with, uh, not with Joey, but with his wife, Sarah, who is awesome, by the way. She pulled it off masterfully. Uh, Just the coordination of the, the surprise then the main thing that was really stressing me out was thinking through how the heck am I going to get my bike there? And how am I going to get my bike there in a way that isn't going to cost me hundreds or thousands of dollars? Um, So that was a big stress and just not knowing like how all of that stuff would work out. So at least with uh, you know, at least with my bike, I was talking to a friend at work and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I could buy a bike bag. I could, you know, do a couple of different things. I could go through a bike shipping service. And he's like, oh, well, just call up a bike shop and they can probably take it apart and box it up for you. So I did actually buy a bike bag on Amazon uh, for around 50 bucks and I got it. Um, and it was a little flimsy, but basically what I ended up doing is just calling up a bike shop, asking how much it would be for them to uh, disassemble and box up a bike, and it was around $60, so I said, boom, let's go for it. So uh, that was kind of the, the first thing that I needed to figure out. But then on Thursday, uh, before the race, I went to go pick up the bike, and 
I walked in and I saw the box that my bike was in and it was massive, like way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And once I took it out to the car, it was pretty clear that it was going to fit in the car to get to our house. But uh, I was with my mom and my dad and my daughter and all of our bags and we were going to have to go to the airport and there was no way that it was going to fit in the car in the airport. So we had to go to Lowe's and my dad came up with the idea of putting it on top of the car, tied it down with some tarps and uh, some some cords and, and ropes. Uh, so we had to get creative there. Um, but we got it to the airport the next day on Friday and uh, I was able to get a bag uh, a, a tag uh, to get that uh, get that box checked. And the whole process, even though it kind of stressed me out, was a lot smoother than I thought it would be. Um, and so then once I got to the uh, race, I'm sorry, once I got to uh, the airport, I was trying to uh, coordinate with uh, with Sarah. And so I got to the airport and uh, it ended up that my flight was delayed by an hour and a half, which made it a little bit more difficult for Sarah to try and uh, kill some time with Joey. Um, but I got on the flight, I landed, I picked up my bike and I was ready, uh, ready to go, ready to be picked up. And thankfully, Sarah was able to distract Joey long enough by pretending that she was sick and pretending that she needed food and going from one uh, location to the next. Uh, but uh, I'm waiting, you know, outside the airport. Um, I've got all of my stuff and then in rolls Joey and I yelled out surprise and just seeing his face and seeing how shocked he was and how appreciative, uh, how, how appreciative he was uh, made it all worth it. And so uh, we pulled off the surprise. It was awesome. And it was kind of funny because at first he saw me and he's like, dude, thank you so much for coming here to support me. And he's like, but what's in the box? And I was like, it's my bike. And he, I saw him thinking for a second and then he goes, wait, are you doing the race too? And I'm like, yep. And he just got so excited and so shocked. So it, it took a while for him to realize that I, I didn't just go there to support him, but I went there to actually race alongside him. So uh, we threw my bike in the back of his truck and his truck camper, and then we headed off to Salem uh, to get checked in and to, uh, you know, to get, get checked in and get settled in. And so at that point, the next thing that I was kind of worried about is how do I actually get my bike assembled? But luckily I, f I realized on the Ironman website that through PlayTry, you can get your bike assembled and then uh, disassemble it and get it placed in the box after the race. And uh, when we got to the Ironman Village, we got checked in. Uh, it only took him about uh, 45 minutes to get my bike assembled, get a safety tune-up, and I was good to go. And so that felt really good to uh, get my bike to the airport, get it on the plane, no problems, uh, to pull off the surprise, and then just to have it assembled and have all of those logistics uh, work out. And so uh, that was kind of a great kind of check-in experience. And uh, after we got checked in, we went and got some food and just kind of settled in and hung out uh, for the night.
So that was kind of Friday. All we really did uh, the rest of the day was we we uh, kind of just went to bed, and then uh, Saturday morning, which was the day before the race, uh, what I what I like to do is just kind of uh, make sure that I do. Uh, a, a super easy like kind of bike ride just to check out my gears and test them out and then uh, we also did a 20 minute run and I just do a 20 minute super low intensity run mostly just for the mental benefits to uh, you know just to get my mind right um, and you know make sure that I sweat it out a little bit and it, I feel like it helps with the race day nerves and so on that run uh, what we did is uh, kind of talk to Joey about the things that he was feeling confident about uh, the things that he was a little bit worried about and then we came up with kind of like a plan in case any of those things that he was worried about did actually happen uh, so felt good about that uh, once we got that done we ended up laying out all of our transition stuff and then heading to the Ironman Village to do our bike check-in. And the thing that was really cool about our bike check-in is uh, even though we signed up at like completely different times, uh, because we did our check-in at the same time, we ended up getting the same bib numbers and we ended up being uh, or we ended up getting very close bib numbers uh, so that when we went to check in our bikes, uh, we were right next to each other. So I was 7.30 and he was 7.00. 29. And so once we set up our bikes, uh, we were good to go. And then what we ended up doing was just kind of driving the bike course, uh, the first 15 miles just to get a feel for it. And then we also went to check out the swim start. Uh, then, you know, after that, we kind of just went back and kind of took a nap and chilled and got ready for the actual race. All right. So for now, uh, I want to talk through race morning. So, you know, kind of we had a good, good Saturday, uh, went to bed, uh, woke up uh, Sunday morning. I think the, I set my alarm for like 4 a.m. Uh, and got uh, got some breakfast, uh, just had some cereal with some almond milk, uh, drank my coffee, went to the bathroom, uh, got all of my stuff together and headed to uh, the race venue. And because of all of the the race day logistics and just kind of focusing on getting my friend ready, I honestly wasn't nervous um, and I wasn't really thinking too much about me racing until Sunday morning. And that's when it started to kind of creep in like, oh, okay, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually racing. Uh, and I usually feel that way when I get to uh, the Ironman Village and I do my check-in, but I just didn't feel that way because of all of the race day logistics and my bike and everything like that. But once I had gotten to uh, the venue, uh, we found a parking spot and got all my stuff together. That's when it started to like, uh, started to hit me that I was going to be doing, you know, a 70.3 and it started to make me a little nervous. But um, it was just fun having my friend there. We got all set up. And then the thing that was really interesting about this, uh, this setup is since the swim was in uh, in the river and it was downriver, uh, we were swimming in the, the Willamette River, um, what you had to do is once you had like your wetsuit and everything, you had to walk 1.2 miles on a path to the swim start. And so uh, we did that and uh, it was, you know, kind of a, a nice, uh, peaceful 
uh, walk. It was pretty, uh, pretty quiet. And there was this kind of like mist that was like overlooking uh, this valley that was really cool. And so people are just kind of walking. And as, uh, as we're walking to the swim start, you know, it's a 1.2 miles. So it was like 25 minute walk. Um, but people were talking about the swim. And I'd talked to a few other people who had done uh, the swim in the previous uh, previous days. And uh, this one guy described it as, he's like, yeah, it's like an adventure park ride. Uh, you're moving so fast. Uh, and another guy was like, yeah, like I practiced and it cut my swim time in half. So I was just kind of excited at the thought of doing uh, a, a swim in the river because I'd never done that before. All of my other uh, events have been in open water in like a lake. Um, so it was just kind of a, a new experience for me. Um, so we ended up getting to the swim start and uh, just kind of really kind of starting to get pumped uh, and doing that with Joey, kind of pumping each other up. And uh, we jump in and almost instantly... I can feel the current just pushing me and just moving me. And it was the fastest that I had ever swam uh, before. And it was just an incredible feeling. And so I had also kind of scoped out the swim before when we were standing in line and looking at other athletes. And since it was a river, uh, the, the water levels, um, can be a little bit different from year to year. And, and for this particular year, this time, the water levels were really low and there was, it was so low that there was actually one point in the swim where some people were so low that they were walking. And as there's all of these athletes that are watching other people like kind of, uh, swimming, uh, you can see some people are actually walking in the swim. And so there was a specific uh, point in the river that was really low and I was trying to avoid it. Um, And so almost instantly I put my arms out and I start, you know, kind of swimming and breathing and sighting and I feel like I'm flying. And it was just like such an incredible feeling to, to be pushed by this current And it was almost like rapids. It was that intense. And so it felt really good to just be cruising and zooming. Um, And, you know, the first like five minutes was took a little bit of getting used to because I hadn't uh, experienced that before. But once I once I had kind of adjusted to the current, I just kind of stayed focused and I tried to keep counting, you know, one, two, three, four, and then I would breathe and then I would sight one two, three, four, and I would breathe and I would sight. And then, uh, since we were down, down river, we started about 7am or 705, uh, the sun was coming up and that was one of the bigger obstacles during the swim is as I'm trying to sight, uh, and looking down river, the sun was just blaring. And I honestly, I couldn't see anything when I was sighting, uh, looking straight ahead. So knowing the course, all that I did is I just would breathe to my right and I would just make sure that the buoys were on my right. And I knew that with the river pushing me and as long as I'm heading downstream and as long as the buoys are on my right, then I was going to be okay. And so there was a little bit of like a mental obstacle that I had to overcome with when you're swimming, you're being pushed And the sun was so bright and so blaring that I couldn't actually really see where I was going. But it's one of those mental obstacles that if you just know, okay, I'm being pushed downstream, 
I'm swimming relatively straight and there's buoys that are in the distance on my right, then I'm going to be okay. And so I was kind of cruising downstream and that was pretty much uh, what I was focused on was just, okay, keep the buoys on my right, keep moving and let the current do the work. I really wasn't kicking too much. It was just slowly kind of working my way down the river. And uh, there was one moment where I just kind of Uh, I wanted to like just see where I was at and I was looking around and I couldn't see anything straight or to the right. So I looked to the left and I saw my friend Joey and I knew it was him because he was wearing an orange cap where everybody else was wearing uh, the the caps that they got in the Ironman. And he decided with his first one, he's like, I'm just going to bring my own swim cap. I want to bring the one uh, from uh, his first sprint triathlon that he had done. So I just knew that I was close to him. And that was a good little uh, kind of motivational boost to like keep going and uh, to kind of keep pursuing uh, a strong swim. So just kind of kept up with that. And uh, once I saw, uh, the, the buoys change from yellow to orange, I knew I was halfway. So I kept going. And then eventually we made one little turn, uh, where the buoy was red turned to the right. And then the swim was over and I wasn't able to, uh, since I didn't actually have my race watch, uh, I was swimming with my Apple watch. I ended up not tracking my open water swim. Uh, so I didn't know what my time was. But it ended up being 24 minutes and uh, 30 seconds, I think, was my official swim time. So uh, that was the fastest swim that I'd ever done. Uh, And it was just kind of hard to believe how quick that time was. And so then I get out of the water. I start, you know, ripping off my wetsuit and getting into transition. And all of a sudden I hear Sarah, who's Joey's wife, was kind of cheering my name. And then all of a sudden, like two people in front of me is Joey. So Joey had actually beaten me in the swim by about 14 seconds. Um, and it was just cool because we ended up getting to uh, start the swim together, do the swim, finish the swim at the same time. And we jogged into transition uh, together. And so Uh, As we're jogging into the transition, we find our bikes, we rip off our wetsuits, uh, put on our shoes, get on our bike stuff. And I'm like, all right, Joey, let's go. Let's do this. Let's start the the bike together. And he's like, no, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, no, dude, come on. Like, let's go. Let's do this together. Thinking that we could do uh, part of the bike together. And he's like, no, dude, I need to go to the bathroom. Like you go. So I ditched Joey and uh, I get on the bike and I start pedaling. So as I started uh, pedaling with the bike, one of the things that I that I decided going into this race was that I wanted to not go too hard on the bike. I wanted to kind of pace myself and control myself a little bit, and uh, that's what I intended to do. So as I was starting, um, I felt pretty good. I had my nutrition on my bike, and uh, I felt pretty good because the swim was so fast. I didn't really have to use uh, my legs too much. So I just started pedaling and kind of cruising the first kind of three to five miles. We work your way through town and then you get on, uh, get on the highway heading out kind of parallel to the river out to the countryside. And as I, um, as I'm just kind of pedaling, I'm just kind of focused on, uh, focused on just a good solid cadence and not trying to go too hard. And 
uh, that was one thing. Another thing was, uh, I kind of mentioned this before, but my race watch, my normal like Garmin, uh, 735 XT race watch was not functioning leading up to race day. So I ended up having to use my Apple watch and the Apple watch just is a great product, but it's just not really meant for uh, triathlons. So it didn't, it doesn't give me the normal like data that I would want. Um, but I just ended up using it for my miles per hour. And I noticed that I was going, you know, 19 and a half to 20 miles per hour, but it didn't, it felt kind of effortless. So that's where I stayed. I kind of wanted to be in that anywhere from a, a, you know, a 6.5 to a 7.5 out of 10 in terms of like my uh, rate of perceived exertion. And I was, I felt good about maintaining 19 and a half to 20 miles um, per hour at that intensity. So I felt like it was something that I could maintain for, uh, the rest of, you know, for the rest of the ride. And so I was just kind of slowly, uh, keeping, you know, keeping that cadence, keeping that pace. And there were moments where people would fly by me and people would, you know, pass me. And I had to remind myself to just stay, uh, where I was at, stay, uh, you know, stay in the zone, stay in the present moment. And that kind of became my mantra. I didn't really choose that, uh, mantra prior to the race of stay, but just for whatever reason, stay just became that mantra for me. And, uh, that's what I started, uh, started to use. And I've talked about mantras in the past on the podcast, but it's, it's just a, a short phrase to keep you, in a certain mindset, in a certain state of mind. And stay ended up becoming my mantra for the bike. So, um, you know, just kind of stayed at 19 and a half, 20 miles per hour, uh, you know, for the first five miles, was able to maintain that for the first, you know, 10, 15, 20-ish miles. And, um, and the course was beautiful. And there really wasn't too many hills until about mile 15. There was a slow and steady climb and, you know, just shifted into smaller gears, but, um, you know, really kind of a, a really cool bike course going out into wine country. There were tons of fruit stands and, uh, good aid stations and pretty decent shade. So just kind of cruised along on the bike and, uh, my nutrition plan, I had three bottles of infinite nutrition, uh, which is the custom blend nutrition that I use. So, uh, my plan was to just drink every 15 to 20 minutes, I would drink, you know, six to eight ounces. And so if I did that, I would go through one bottle per hour. And I knew that I would be able to finish, uh, finish the ride in less than three hours. So if I could finish, uh, one bottle per hour, I would be in a good spot. So, uh, every 15 to 20 minutes, drink some nutrition and then keep cruising. And then, uh, the other thing on my bike, I ended up what I didn't do last time and ended up cramping, uh, was I didn't take salt tablets. And so what I did this time, in addition to the infinite, I just took a salt tablet every 30 minutes on the bike and I was good. And so the bike was pretty, uh, pretty just smooth and it was honestly so smooth to the point where I was like, my mind started jumping ahead to the future. And my mind started jumping ahead to, oh my gosh, I'm doing awesome. This is going so well. And it was interesting to just observe my mind where 
I had to force myself to stay in the present moment because things were going so well, one hour into it, an hour and a half into it, two hours into it, that my mind started to create these stories of, oh, something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. And the thing that I was the most afraid of is getting a flat tire, which is very common for a lot of athletes or triathletes. People are afraid of just getting a flat tire. And I knew if I got a flat tire, I'd be like, oh, this thing's over. Uh, it would take them a while to come and help me try and figure that out. And so I I had to repeat my mantra of stay, not just in moments when people would pass me and I'd have to stay at my current pace, but also uh, when things started going really well and my mind started jumping ahead uh, to things that could go wrong and things like a flat tire, things like uh, crashing. Uh, I mean, other just random, random, like kind of negative things started popping up when things are going well. And I think that that's really interesting because a lot of times in life when things are going well, we almost kind of self-sabotage and we think, oh, uh, there's no way it can just keep getting better. There's something's got to go wrong eventually. And so it was just kind of interesting experiencing that mindset during a race. Um, so I just kept repeating that mantra of stay, stay, stay. And then uh, after about, you know, kind of two hours uh, of that, uh, that mantra, that steady pace and feeling good, um, something did go wrong, which was my race watch died. So at about mile 45 of the 56 mile bike, my race watch died. And at that point I knew, uh, it really wasn't that big of a deal because I had been going off of how I felt, uh, in, um, in, in the race. And I knew that I just, as long as I just maintained my current pace, I would be good on the bike. And then the run was just, I could run off of feel. So that was just one little obstacle that I encountered on race day, uh, where my race watch died. And so I just had to, uh, finish out the bike, um, and, uh, kind of keep cruising. So one other kind of noteworthy thing was that uh, around mile 50 of the bike, you know, it's kind of you start to get a little a little tired, a little mentally drained. Uh, I see this guy who sets up a sign that says free beer and he's got Coors Light and Bud Light and he actually has beer and he's like pretending to like give it to triathletes. So it was just some random guy. Uh, in like Salem that was dishing out free beer during a triathlon, which uh, is kind of funny, kind of made me laugh and it kind of lightened the mood for the last six miles of the bike. And then I ended up uh, getting through uh, those last miles and starting my second transition. So I ended up finishing the bike in two hours and 51 minutes and 40 seconds, which uh, gave me an average pace of around 19.5 miles per hour. Uh, and I headed into uh, the second transition. And uh, the second transition took me a little bit longer than it normally does. It took me three minutes and 58 seconds. And honestly, like one of the main things I was trying to figure out is, is if I should stop and use the porta potty and go to the bathroom or if I should just hold it and try and, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, hold it during the run. Uh, so it was just, I've never really had to, 
uh, use the bathroom on a 70.3. But for whatever reason, I was thinking about that. Uh, and so I just remember thinking, should I do it? Should I not? Uh, but I ended up just going to my transition, uh, setting up my bike, taking off my helmet, transitioning into my run stuff. Uh, and one of the other mistakes that I made last race was I didn't put on sunscreen. So I wanted to make sure that I would put on sunscreen. So uh, as I'm heading off on the run course, I, uh, I made sure to put on sunscreen and then switch into my run gear. And, uh, then I took off on the run. And, uh, again, one of the, the main things that was kind of in the back of my mind as everything is going super well up until this point, the swim had gone incredibly fast. The bike was, uh, really, really solid. Uh, I felt like I had conserved some energy and I felt really good coming off of the run. But in the back of my mind, I knew that I felt really good coming off of the run in my last race. And then I cramped up at mile one. So it was kind of in the back of my mind. But as I started the run, I felt really good. And uh, about one mile into it, um, I saw another triathlete who was walking and was kind of grabbing towards the back of his uh, back of his leg, like by his hamstring. And it looked like he was cramping up just like I had done in my race uh, four weeks ago. And so I stopped and I was like, Hey, do you need salt? Do you need salt? He's like, yes, I need some help. Uh, so I ended up, I packed extra salt tablets for this exact reason, uh, because so many people helped me in my race four weeks ago that I told myself that going forward, I would always pack extra salt and I would always stop and give them to other people. And so I stopped and I gave him like four or five salt tabs and he was super grateful and then off I went. And so I kind of just took that as a sign like, okay, like you have checked that part off the list, like you had helped somebody and I just felt good. And so I uh, kept kind of cruising from there. Again, at this point, I don't have my race watch, so I have no idea what my pace is, but I feel good. And so uh, my legs felt good. My energy felt good. My, my mindset was in a, in a good spot. And I just kind of took off. And uh, the run course was really nice. The first few miles are kind of weaving through town. And then uh, you run out to, I think it's called Minto Brown uh, State Park. And the thing that is interesting about it is the run is mostly concrete until like two or three miles. And then it turned into almost like a trail run. Uh, I was running on gravel and was running on dirt next to uh, the river. And it was mostly flat. There was a little bit of a decline and a little bit of a, an incline coming back, but it was just an out and back course. And, uh, you know, I, honestly, I felt really, really good. And at this point, it, the, the heat had started to pick up. It was probably in the upper 80s or low 90s at this point, but there was a little bit of shade and I felt really good the first uh, four to five miles. Uh, it wasn't until about mile six or seven that I started to slow down a little bit, but I just took that as you know a natural like sign that I just got to keep going, keep pushing, uh, and I maintained my nutrition uh, with that. So I race with a hydration belt and I had two uh, nine ounce uh, bottles of water with infinite nutrition and I just maintained my salt tablets every 30 minutes. Um, so just kind of kept cruising and uh, the run itself really wasn't too noteworthy. It was just kind of cruising, uh, making progress, uh, just going off of how I felt because I didn't have uh, my race watch. And then um, as I was 
making my way back. It was usually, I think it was around mile seven uh, that I just stopped at the aid stations, drank some Coke because I felt like I needed a little bit of a boost. And then I did that again at mile nine. And once I reached mile nine, uh, that's when at each of the aid stations, I just filled my hat with ice, stuffed my my chest with ice, put ice like literally everywhere because it was in the 90s. And I was just doing everything that I possibly could uh, to stay cool. Um, but you know, just making my way back mile nine, mile 10, mile 11, that's when it's, it gets really hard. And in those moments, what I do is I just try and focus on the next mile and it's easy in a race like that. When even with my race watch, not working, I could just focus on getting to the next aid station. And that was my focus at mile nine. I was just trying to get to mile 10 at mile 10. I was just trying to get to mile 11 and, uh, just kind of broke it down into a mile by mile, uh, approach and got the job done. And it felt really good to, uh, kind of reach, uh, reach mile 13, get to that red carpet and cross the finish line. And at that point, I honestly had no idea what my time was, but I knew it was like really good for me, uh, because I felt like I had a complete race and because the swim was so fast. So, uh, at that point, once I crossed the finish line, it felt amazing. Um, but, I uh, just kind of waited there, chugged a bunch of bottles of water and waited for my friend Joey to cross the finish line. And as I was, you know, just kind of uh, waiting at the finish line, I was just starting to think about how... um, how much like Joey meant to me and how, how much it meant to me to be there because he was one of the first people, he was the really the first person to reach out to me and get help with triathlons and kind of believe in me as a coach and also just believe in, in my abilities and my, in my program and my philosophy. And he's just been so supportive of everything that I've done from, uh, from coaching to the podcast to the courses that I've created, to the challenges that I've done. He's just been with me every step of the way. And so it was just, I was kind of getting emotional reflecting on that and then uh, waited for a little bit. And then just seeing him at the end of the red carpet is when I just started like erupting and I was just like cheering him on. I'm like, let's go. And all these photographers at the finish line were like, whoa. And they stopped taking pictures. They looked back at me like, who is this guy? Uh, But he crossed the finish line. I was right there with him, gave him a big hug. And uh, it was just a, a really special moment to have him cross the finish line. And uh, it was just such a cool moment for, for me to be there and experience that breakthrough for him. Um, and he was like, you know, I don't know if I would have been able to do this without you. I'm just so grateful for you for, for everything that you've done and for being here. And, uh, in that moment, like everything was justified, kind of the crazy idea, the expenses, the logistics and the, the stress, uh, was totally worth it. And we just kind of hung out and then recovered and, uh, and that was, that was pretty much it. And so, uh, overall I finished the run in one hour and 46 minutes and 40 seconds, um, and felt really good. My overall time I think was five hours and 11 minutes, which was uh, a PR for me by about eight or nine minutes. Uh, so I had a PR, uh, and, you know, even more than that though, just being there for my friend in that moment was the highlight of all of it. 
uh, for me. So, uh, you know, honestly, it was like such a fun race, such a great venue, Ironman Oregon 70.3. It was the first time that they had done an Ironman in the state of Oregon, which is kind of hard to believe. But uh, after going through all of it, there's in this, this whole experience, there's obviously tons of lessons learned. But for me, there's just a couple that stand out that I want to go through next. And that's just uh, the first one is just how important it was to me and how, how clear it is to me now, how much more it means to watch somebody else be successful in something than your own success. Because when I look back on this race, you know, yes, I got a PR, but the thing that I'm going to remember and the thing that brought me the most satisfaction and joy and gratitude from it was seeing my best friend be successful in completing his first race. And I think, you know, as a leader, as a, as a husband, um, you know, as somebody who's, you know, pursuing mastery and pursuing growth, I think that's a big thing that is a realization is how important it is to help other people be successful rather than focus on your own success. Because I think there's a moment where, at least for me, I've pursued personal growth for so long that um, eventually you start to shift from growth to contribution. And this is kind of one of the first leaps that I've made where it's almost more important to contribute to the growth of others than your own personal growth. And so that was kind of the number one thing uh, that stood out to me is just how valuable and how much that meant to me to, to be able to contribute to my friend's growth and to his success. So that's one thing that, that stands out to me. Um, another is just around like the reason why this race was so different for me was because of uh, it was the first time, like I said, that I had traveled to a destination and all of the race day logistics and all of that. Um, and I mean, the takeaway for me there is traveling to a destination presents conflicts. But honestly, the whole process was pretty smooth. And I, I wouldn't l let you or wouldn't want you to, to let it hold you back from racing in cool destinations. Um, so I really wanted to go to the state of Oregon. I'd never been there, wanted to experience uh, what it was going to be like. Uh, and I'm so glad that I did after going through it because everything that I was afraid of, of um, you know, everything that I was afraid of with shipping my bike and the logistics and how do I uh, take tear down my bike and fly with it and assemble it and disassemble it and all of that, it's basically just a non-issue and there's solutions to all of the problems that I brought up. And, um, that's just a big takeaway for me. And I'll be talking more, uh, in more detail about, uh, how to travel to, uh, destinations and race, because I think it's a big, uh, a big topic. And then the last thing, um, I would just say my overall like race strategy and the adjustments that I made were successful. So my strategy of letting up a little bit on the bike was definitely successful. And then adding salt tablets definitely worked out great. So it's just this, this lesson learned and this takeaway of, you know, it's really important to um, objectively assess your performance and then reflect on why is that true? Why did that happen? 
come up with a potential solution and try it out because that's exactly what I did. You know, I cramped up on the last race. I thought, why is that true? I think I went too hard on the bike. So my strategy is I'm going to go a little bit easier on the bike. I'm also going to add in the salt tablets and I was successful with that. So uh, those are kind of my three lessons learned and my three biggest takeaways. Um, And if you've gotten through this podcast, this is probably one of the longest ones that I've done. I just want to say thank you. You guys are awesome. I love uh, I love you guys. I appreciate the support. And so if you're listening to this, I'd be curious, did you compete in Ironman Oregon 70.3? Uh, if so, you know, how was your race experience? I want to hear about it. Uh, you know, or are you somebody who's maybe thinking about competing in a 70.3 uh, coming up? Maybe by listening to this, you're thinking, oh, this is kind of a cool experience. I think I might want to try something like this too. If you're thinking about it and you're unsure uh, of how to train for it, what bike do you need? What wetsuit do you need? What nutrition do you need? All of those questions and you want help with that, uh, reach out to me. I would love to help you be successful with any sort of endurance event, any sort of half Ironman, Ironman or triathlon Um, so you can reach out to me and get in contact mario at endurify.co or you can just send me a quick text 608-770-3437 and uh, we'll get in touch i want to hear about what your goals are and how i might be able to help so uh, again if you found value in this i would really appreciate a review uh you know wherever you're listening apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you're listening go give me some love. Uh, Until next time, I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening.